Let's pray. All right. God, I thank you for Eric. I thank you for the ability for us to connect, um, not just spiritually, but also relationally. And God, I pray for the men that are going to listen to this podcast. Um, as we just said, uh, this is a road that a number of men have have walked, and I believe a, a large number of them have probably walked alone. But we know when we walk with you, we never walk alone. And so I pray for those guys that are going to listen to this conversation that we're going to have. It's going to probably bring to memory some things that that they have uh, went through, certainly things that their wife has gone through. And God, if not us, I just believe that we know some people who've certainly been uh, in this place, as, as we're going to discuss here in just a moment. And perhaps this is, this could be a resource. This could be a website. This could be something that we could share with them uh, to say uh, there are other guys who certainly understand what what this looks like, what it feels like. Um, and God, I, I just pray. I pray that above all, um, you get the glory in this and that, that the hope is always anchored in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, men, at this time, I want to welcome Eric Shoemaker to the podcast. Eric, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we got to connect pre-hit uh, record button, and I got to know a little bit about you. But why don't you just introduce yourself to our, our, our guys who are listening, who you are, what you're about, and then we'll get into this uh, book that you wrote here. Hey, yeah. Uh, hey, guys. I'm, as Jarrett said, Eric Shoemaker. I am a native Iowan. And I've been married to my wife, Jenny, for 24 years. Uh, we live here in Ames, Iowa, in the center of the state. And I'm an associate pastor here. been here seven and a half, almost eight years now. been pastoring for uh, about 20 years. Uh, we've got five children, um, ages uh, from 20 years old, a sophomore in uh, college, down to a 10-year-old uh, who's a... Uh, in fifth grade, and um, I am a songwriter. Uh, write some, write write worship songs, and uh, I'm also an author and a podcaster. So, um, got a few things going on, and often too many things going on, <laughs> but ideal. So you're creative, is what you're saying. I, I'm creative. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I I don't finish a lot of things, but I try. <laughs> That's part of the creative process is, you know, it's it, you get it going and you try to inspire others to to finish it for you, to take it across the line. Yeah. Yeah. You live in Ames, Iowa, and I'm just going to plug it. That is one of the best cities in America. Um, I'm telling Absolutely. you what. And they have Taco John's and Hy-Vee. So um, there you go. I don't know what else you need in life. Hey, uh, Eric, you wrote a book on uh, biblical comfort for men grieving miscarriage. And as we were talking about a moment ago, that's, I don't think this is a conversation a lot of guys have, and I don't know um, how often a resource is available to them. So why, why don't you just kind of share what led you to create this book and we'll, we'll go from there. Sure. Well, my, my wife and I experienced uh, four miscarriages and miscarriage wasn't something I was overly familiar with. I think uh, the first time I ever heard about miscarriage was maybe when I was in high school and uh, had heard that someone had had a miscarriage and then didn't really hear anything about it again until I think we were when I was in seminary and uh, Russell Moore was one of my professors. And as they were in the process of adopting their first two sons, uh, he shared fairly openly about their three miscarriages and the struggles uh, that they went through and how that affected him. First time I'd heard anybody talk about miscarriage, uh, particularly a man. And then, uh, you know, as the years passed in seminary, uh, we had more friends that were getting pregnant and having miscarriages. But 
I heard they happened, but nobody really talked about them. And so we, uh, you know, as, uh, as our marriage progressed and we moved towards having children, uh, we ended up having three boys in a row uh, that were, you know, no complications, smooth pregnancies, live births. And then uh, our first miscarriage hit kind of uh, unexpectedly. Um, Jenny thought she might be pregnant, took a pregnancy test, said it, she was said positive, And then uh, there was some bleeding and we were able to confirm later. Yeah, she'd had a miscarriage. Uh, weren't expecting the pregnancy. We're kind of surprised by it and moved through it. You know, another uh, family member had just experienced a pregnancy loss uh, that was that was fairly traumatic, um, required an emergency surgery. And uh, we just chose not to say anything about our miscarriage at that time uh, for various reasons. Um, and then we had our daughter. And then after that experienced uh, two miscarriages that uh, were further along in the pregnancies. Uh, uh, the first one, Jenny had a DNC afterwards, a medical procedure to remove the, the baby from the uterus. And then uh, the second one was far enough along that um, since the baby wasn't passing naturally, we uh, she we went into the hospital and she was uh, uh, induced and uh, labored and delivered um, the the little baby, and that was the only one we were able to hold in our hands and uh, had a had a burial uh, after that, and and then we had our our fifth uh, child, living child. Um, uh, our youngest. And then after that, we were through having children. And a few years later, had a surprise pregnancy and that we lost uh, fairly early into that. And, you know, the whole way through this, um, I think any guy that has walked through the miscarriage journey knows uh, there's uh, surprisingly few resources for fathers. And, uh, and I think there's several reasons for that. But um, a few years ago, uh, my friend Emily Jensen, who's part of the Risen Motherhood podcast and ministry, she asked me if I would share my journey as a father going through miscarriage to help uh, women understand, uh, you know, what their husbands might be going through for their website. So I wrote this article, um, uh, I think it was called Dad's Hurt Too, and got a lot of really good response from that from men who said, you know, this is, this is the first time any, I've, you know, any, anything I've read that uh, has described what I'm, what I'm going through and wives were very thankful for it because their husbands are struggling. And so um, a couple of years ago, then uh, Abby Wedgworth was writing a book for the good book company called held, uh, which is a 31 day devotional for women who are walking through miscarriage and it came out of her blogging kind of publicly chronicling and journaling uh, her experience. And she moves through a Psalm and she asked if I'd share a brief testimony in the book about my experience. And so when I got my contributor copy from the good book company, um, it was just so well done. The book was uh, not only is her writing fantastic. I mean, it quickly became my go-to resource, but you know, there's space for journaling and it's hardcover and has a little elastic band around it, you know, to hold it together. And it just feels like a, uh, it's a beautiful, substantial book that sort of honors the loss mm -hmm. and the person who's going through it. And so I, um, you know, I don't know if it was arrogance or pride or boldness or what I just wrote to them and said, this is a fantastic resource. And 
you really need to write one of these for men because uh, nothing exists for men that I know of. I don't know of any Christian resource that's focused on men and even miscarriage, miscarriage resources that are for a couple. Usually the portion to men is about like how to help your wife. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just, so I sent him my sample of writing and I said, this needs to be written and I want to write it. And so they, they uh, looked at it and they said, you're right. Nothing like this has been written. Um, we don't know if this will even sell, uh, but we think it's important and we want to take a chance on doing it. And so I'm so grateful, so grateful that they did. So that's kind of how, how uh, ours uh, came about. As you're saying that I'm, th I'm thinking of, you know, number of years ago I was on staff and three or four of us, our wives all got pregnant at the same time. And, um, they all lost the babies at the same mm. time. And it was a crazy, wow. crazy season of ministry, uh, of, doesn't matter. Um, but I remember, um, kind of, you kind of walking through that and, and, and no, everything, everything is about the woman. And, and I do believe there's a different care that should be d directed towards mm -hmm. the woman. It's different than it is for the guy. Uh, but there is something there. And, and I didn't, it didn't really hit me all these things until we were going through something months later. My wife's like, well, did you tell him that we just lost a baby? You know, and she had this different emotion I had. And I'm like, we were both processing this at radically different speeds in, in different ways. Yep. And the truth was we weren't really even talking about it. Cause I didn't know what to say. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, Hey, you feeling better? Are you? And so for you to, to have the courage to um, put something together like this is going to give men some hope, but we carry scars that we're not even sure how to talk about. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and I appreciate you doing that. What for you as a man of God, what kind of scriptures or what kind of, you know, promises of God do you hold on to in that season where you've lost four children, but you're also trying to help other men at the same time? Yeah. I, I don't know that I processed it well at the time going through it. I think I was in a very similar place to what, where you were, I was going through, particularly through the two middle miscarriages, which were definitely the toughest. I was in a place where we'd gone through some church conflict. Uh, it was a really rough patch of ministry mm. and, and I didn't really know what we were going through or what was, you know, mm. it, it was, it was mm. tough, you know, and, um, I think I was still in that place that I wanted to put on a tough face as a man mm -hmm. and I, um, didn't want to admit that I was struggling or hurting and uh, and I was focused on those unique ways that the wife experiences this uh, very mm -hmm. intimate and, and physical ways and um, you know and, and at our church uh, most of the responses were and 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 I don't want to take anything away from these responses were, mm -hmm. you know, how's your wife doing? Mm -hmm. um, how can we help uh, people? You know, a lot of women gathering around her to support her and encourage her. Uh, I don't know that any man that I can recall uh, and I, I could have missed it in my grief. Uh, so I don't want to, I don't want to miss anybody who did care for me well, but I can't remember uh, many questions about how's your heart? How are you doing? Mm. Um, and of course, if they were asked, um, I, I probably wasn't giving great answers to those or honest answers. Um, it was really through the process of writing that I was able to really sit down and examine what was happening in my heart at the time and face it. Um, you know, the book ours is a, a like I said, a 31 day uh, devotional resource. And so I walk through the gospel of Luke 
And so that's where a lot of the comfort comes from. And what I did was I divided it up into 31 portions because, you know, we know a lot of Christian men and men in general don't read. And so if I'm going to get them to read one book, I want them to come face to face with Jesus Mm -hmm. because my story can provide some solidarity, but only his story is redemptive. And so that's, that's who I wanted them to really meet. And, and so, uh, I surveyed a bunch of men who had gone through miscarriage and said, what are the questions you're facing? And then tried to look at the 31 sections I had of Luke and say, what, you know, the message of this passage, how does it speak to one of these questions and match those up? And so uh, one of the things I love about Luke is just, first of all, it starts out with a barren couple, you know, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, are unable to have children. They're in old age. And that barrenness would have almost certainly included several miscarriages mm, mm. Um, to the extent they understood that in that day. Um, and one of the things I love about it is that as Luke is describing them, he says that they were uh, barren and it, and then it almost immediately says they were righteous in regards to the law. And so it immediately shows that their inability to have children and most likely these miscarriages were not a result of some personal sin on their part or that God was displeased with them or that this was a personal curse for something that they had had done. Um, Miscarriage is is part of the curse. It's part of the effect of sin entering the world and bringing death with it. It's it's part of being in a broken world, but that doesn't mean that um, we have sinned in some way to, to cause this to happen. And then, you know, it moves to their pregnancies, Mary's pregnancy and Elizabeth's and John in the womb and Jesus in the womb and um, John leaping, you know, with joy to be in the presence of his, his Lord. And it, that, that opening just reminds me that the Lord is, is not only aware of, but he's concerned with and cares about what's going on in the womb. Um, whether that includes barrenness or miscarriage or living children. And that's, I think that's a message of comfort and hope, just that the Lord sees this, even if it's Mm -hmm. secret Mm -hmm. and no one else in the world sees it, the Lord sees it and he cares. And then as you know, Luke takes us through the life of Jesus. Um, You know, it's very apparent that he is who Isaiah says he is, that he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He's a man who suffers uh, he knows what it's like to grieve, mm-hmm. and he also has a huge heart for those who are broken, those who have experienced loss, those who are grieving, uh, for those who are unseen, and miscarriage is often a very unseen and private suffering. And so it's it's just a great reminder that Jesus, these this, this is the kind of thing he cares about. This is why he's come into the world. Uh, he, you know, he's, uh, the, the healthy don't need a doctor. It's the mm-hmm. sick that he's come for and he has come for sinful and for suffering people. And, um, so he, he cares about this and he wants to walk through this with us and he wants to speak his mercy and his grace and his peace into this experience and finally, you know, the the end of all the Gospels is that here he is as the sufferer who's crucified for our sins and raised from the dead. Uh, 
so that he can conquer sin, death, and the power of the devil. And that's our ultimate hope because, um, you know, you and I can't say to any man who's walking through miscarriage, oh, you know, don't worry about it. You're going to have more kids because we can't make that promise. Um, you know, there's no promise that we're going to have future children. Um, and we can't bring this baby back. And, um, and miscarriage is a manifold loss, you know. Um, I think that's one of the things I've learned about it in the many years that have passed is that miscarriage isn't an event that happens and then uh, you deal with it and you get past it. Um, you know, miscarriage comes with a due date that's going to be missed and uh, you're going to know that due date. And then following that are all the milestones. You know, this is when this child would have been going to first day of school um, this is the class they would have been graduating high school with. Um, you know, they, they'd be this old now and um, maybe we'd have grandchildren, you know, uh, all those things you don't understand until you hit them. So like the loss of any person, uh, it unfolds as the years pass, which means it's a lifelong loss and which means it's only fully healed in a resurrection, like every other sorrow. We're we're ultimately holding on to the fact that we are united with Christ by faith, and the day is going to come when He's going to raise us from the dead to walk in a new heavens and a new earth and wipe away every tear from our eyes, and suffering and sorrow will be no more. So th those are the sorts of things that I'm holding on to in the in the midst of of miscarriage. A number of years ago, I did a, a funeral for a, a guy who lost his son. The son was in his early 20s, and uh, every year we connect. Every year he texts me, Happy Father's Day. I text him back. He does it on the holidays, and um, it's 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 a sad situation, you know, being real yeah. honest. And uh, I I had to do a funeral when I first came to Indianapolis for a family who lost um, a baby, a, a born baby. The baby was probably 18 months. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And, and so I called him and I said, you know, tell me what I don't know. Like, you know, now mm -hmm. granted his son was in his twenties. Like, just tell me what I don't know. And one of the things that stood out to me was he said, you're a part of a, a group that you don't want any part that you don't want to be a part of. And nobody wants yeah. to talk about. So you're, you're, you're suddenly finding yourself in a situation where now you can identify with a group of people you don't want to. Mm -hmm. And those people typically don't know what to, how to talk to each other either. And so sometimes, we can ask questions or we can process things in unhealthy manners. So he's yeah. trying to go healthy. One of those questions I think that we can wrestle with is what happens to this unborn child? You know, we have mm -hmm. the, he would have been 10 or whatever. What have you found in your study of the word that you say, this gives me hope that when I get to the other side of eternity, this is what I'm going to experience. Yeah. I think that is a, is a great, uh, question. I think it's a pressing question. I deal with that in one of my chapters. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I definitely hold to the position that uh, children who die in infancy, die in the womb, um, will be in heaven and will be raised from the dead to live with Christ forever. Uh, you know, I think we see, I think we see hints and indicators of that. You know, as we walk through the Old Testament, you know, you have the classic example of you know, in the wilderness wanderings, you have uh, the Lord saying those who are, you know, didn't know right from wrong uh, won't be part of the generation that is wiped out in the wilderness. You have David losing uh, uh, his child. Uh, he and 
Bathsheba's child and him saying, you know, he won't come to me, but I will go to him. Uh, and I, I think that's more than just I'll go to him in the grave that I'll actually know him in in glory. Um, John Piper uh, makes a really good argument in a in a sermon. Um, there's a book published called The Toughest Sermons That You'll Ever Preach, and it's examples of of sermons for different uh, difficult situations. And one of the sermons in there is by John Piper. And it's for a friend of mine's child who lived for just a few minutes uh, before dying. They were on the mission field and had a uh, difficult and complicated pregnancy and lost the, and lost uh, their son, Owen. And in that sermon, I think Piper makes a really good argument. It might be a little more complicated than we can go into here, but he basically argues uh, from a passage in Romans where Paul talks about those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam. And he makes the argument that, you know, Adam made a conscious, eyes wide open decision to sin. He knew what he was doing. He knew it was right and wrong. And there are those who uh, sin impacts them in a way that's not like, not like Adam. They um, were born with a sinful nature. Uh, we're depraved from birth, but there, there's not a conscious awareness of this sin and the conscious, uh, um agreement with adam's rebellion and uh and he would say that would be unborn babies of those with uh you know born with such mental impairment that they can never understand these things and the gist of the argument is and i i think this i think there's a lot of sense that's made here is you know those of us who sin like adam uh we make this uh, conscious agreement to sort of affirm adam's sin and uh, align ourselves with it when we uh make the decision to sin, which we do, you know, all the time. And, and so the counterpart to that is, uh, we, we unite ourselves with Adam's sin, but then, uh, we're called to, uh, unite ourselves with Christ's righteousness in the sense of, uh, by consciously choosing to, to hope in him, to trust in him through our faith. And so Piper's argument, um, at least this is how I understand it. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, uh, is that, you know, just as they didn't have the opportunity or the capacity to sin with Adam willfully, uh, they don't have the capacity to understand the gospel and to profess it consciously. And so there's, uh, there's grace there that in their inability to comprehend, and, and, and we're also talking about, you know, people with, uh, it, who lack the capacity and certain this is infants in the womb, they, they lack the capacity of the sort of Romans one sense where Paul says, you know, everyone can perceive in creation who God is and what he's like. Well, there are people who don't have the mental capacity to look at creation and perceive that. And certainly children in the womb uh, can't, can't be doing that. And so he makes the argument that the, there's grace there that even though they're united with Adam, apart from their, uh, you know, personal agency and volition, uh, the Lord by his grace unites them with Christ apart from their personal agency and, and volitional choice to, to hope in him. And I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and it seems to ring true. And I think, I think he's accurately understanding Paul there. Um, and so that's, that's where I find a lot of hope, uh, a lot of hope in that. And, and, you know, um, I, and I think I think to men who are struggling with that question, uh, the scripture doesn't offer like crystal clear clarity on that argument. And the reason is, is that 
the Bible isn't written to give us an understanding of how people with no or severely limited mental capacities are saved. Uh, it's written so that those of us who can hear it and understand it can be saved. That's its, that's its focus. And so uh, we shouldn't be surprised that it doesn't go into depth in those other areas because that's, that's not exactly its point. And for men who might struggle with that then to say, oh, well, if I can't have that kind of clarity, crystal clear, precise, you know, one verse clears it all up. Um, you know, there's a lot in life that the Bible isn't crystal clear on. And our, our hope is that is with Job, you know, should not the judge of all the earth do what is right. And he will, he'll do what's right. And uh, the resurrection and the new earth will be a place where there's no suffering, sorrow, or sadness, and every tear is wiped away. So whatever the end result of that will be, uh, we with joy, full joy, will say, um, he gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And our creator knows this, and he knows that we would look for an excuse if possible. I think it's why <laughs> Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. Okay? Yeah. So yes, we yep. just took care of the excuse. Well, what about the, that's not you. Okay. So yep. um, not to be cold or crass or anything, but as men, we'll, we'll take the shortcut. Oh, we don't have to do that. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's, let's land the plane for this portion with, with this. Um, what do you say to the guy who's struggling mm. right now? You know, maybe it was something a few years ago, or maybe it was because what we don't want to do, if, if God has blessed you with children, he's blessed you, he's blessed me, but we both can say we've, we've walked this road a bit. You're you more than myself. Mm -hmm. I don't want to overlook my kids and, mm -hmm. and, and make it about, you know, the one that I lost or whatever. And then some people never get to have children. Like that mm -hmm. is not, a, that's just not reality. Yeah. So wherever they're at, whoever it is, I know it's a very general statement, but what do you say to that guy? who internally is struggling or maybe hearing this conversation, he didn't realize how he had been processing or, or that he hadn't processed it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll take, I'm going to take a little bit of a shortcut there uh, on the theme of shortcuts uh, to back what I said earlier about um, you asked the question, what scriptures are you holding on to? I'd go back and say all those things that I said about Luke, you know, just, what happened, this is a real child, the Lord cares about it, he sees it, and speak to the redemption that's found in Christ. And having said all of that, I would say, we need to process this. You know, one of the questions I work through in the book is like, am I a downer to my friends? I think what you said was really astute, that uh, you're, you're part of a club now, part of a group of people that you don't want to be a part of. And that they themselves often don't know how to talk about. And the only way to deal with, like, sort of end the silent suffering is to not be silent. Um, and I'm not, not everybody needs to write a book about this, obviously, or do a podcast about it. Um, but we need to be talking about it. And, and I don't, I don't mean stand up in front of church and give your testimony unless that's the thing you can do. But I do think you need to be speaking to your friends and to your pastors about, hey, I've experienced this loss. Uh, I'm going through it now, or I went through it 10 years ago, whatever. Um, I don't know how to process this, and I don't know how to deal with this. Um, 
but I, I know I need to, and I need some help. I mean, don't be afraid to express your ignorance. Uh, the more we express our ignorance, uh, I think the more grace there is from God because he's opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. Um, and share what you have learned so far, share what questions you don't have any answers to. Um, I, I think, um, if you have a group of friends, particularly a group of friends who don't just immediately jump to trying to solve every issue right away and give an answer to every question, like I think that's sometimes why we don't talk about it is this Christian tendency to say, oh, I can answer this in, you know, one note or whatever, you know, like let's name a tune. And, uh, and, and we just, man, we just run roughshod over top of people suffering that way but if you have a group of friends you can sit down with and they'll just quietly and gently ask questions or listen um, or even a pastor you can sit down with and say hey um don't don't put up any defenses here um because i know you're probably as ignorant about this as i am but when i when we went through this miscarriage um i didn't have anybody in the church caring for me and um, I, I imagine you as a pastor didn't know how to care for a man who was going through a miscarriage. And I was just wondering if we could talk about that. You know, I'm not looking to cast blame. I'm not looking for any apology or anything. I just know that there's going to be a lot of men in our church, you know, statistically who walk through miscarriage. And I think we could do a better job of caring for them. And so maybe let's process this together. Um and see how we can we can help men together moving forward and and hopefully you have a pastor humble enough to hear that um sadly not all guys can hear that um but if you do i think that's that's a great place to start your healing journey and and especially be talking to your wife um you know one of the things i encounter is and and i think you alluded to this earlier you know every man processes miscarriage at his own rate in an individual way. Every miscarriage is unique. Every woman processes it differently. Um, and, I, and every marriage processes it differently. And what I find is that when the miscarriage happens, a lot of guys spring into sort of get her done mode, like uh, what's on the list of things that need to happen. He's not physically suffering, going to take care of the kids. If that, if there's kids in the home meals, you know, whatever. Um, and she is sometimes just in bed recovering and all she's thinking about and dealing with is this miscarriage. Um, and what happens is um, uh, she ends up suffering through it alone because he thinks he's helping by being busy with many things. And what she actually needs is, is a, is a husband and a partner who's walking through this with her and somebody else in the church can do all those things. Um, you know, don't be afraid to ask them to do those things. That's what the body of Christ is there for. But, but wives, you know, when I visit and I ask them, how are you doing? Um, they'll freely share and, and then they'll say, you know, I, I don't know how my husband's doing. Like he hasn't shared anything and I'm worried about him and he's not sharing because he feels like either he hasn't even stopped to think about it yet um, or he feels like ah, for me to talk about my pain detracts from hers. Um, but you you never do that with any other aspect of pregnancy. You know, um, you wouldn't say, well, I, I'm not really going to be involved as a father and in raising these kids. So I don't want to detract from her as a mother. Um, 
well, no, like uh, parenting's a two person thing. That's why the book is called ours. Uh, and so even if it's been 20 years, um, I'd say go back and talk to your wife about how the miscarriage impacted you, because it might be something she's wondered about all these years. And it could be a really helpful thing for the both of you. And perhaps not talking about it looks like you don't care or, yeah. or, or could give a misconception that maybe yeah. you're, well, let's just get pregnant again or whatever, whatever yeah. it is, or, or glad there wasn't a baby. I mean, all these things can be yeah. mis, misconstrued by not yep. to pull away. So Eric, where, where, do, where do we get this resource? How do we get connected to you and what, what you're doing? Yeah. So the book is called Ours, Biblical Comfort for Men Grieving Miscarriage. It's available from the Good Book Company. If you would go to their website, the Good Book Company, I forget, probably .com. They have some uh, really good deals um, on buying in bulk. You know, if your mm. church wants to stock up to be prepared ahead of time, that way you don't have to order and wait when a guy has a miscarriage. Um, and they have good deals on, you know, combining it bundling it with uh, the book held for women so you can have both books mm -hmm. uh, i have a I have a website emshoemaker.com um, I, my last name is is not spelled how it sounds it's spelled schumacher uh, and i'm active on self on social uh, media um, instagram facebook uh, twitter at this the same handle uh, at emshoemaker and so love to to get connected there so that is thegoodbook.com forward slash hours. And of course, you can go to Jeff Bezos' place too if you want to get it. But nevertheless, love to get connected to uh, what you're doing. It, it was released July of 2022, so it is hot. It's still warm. So you might get yeah. a copy that might still be warm coming off the yeah, copy. Yeah, you might want hey. to the ink dry. Yeah. And that's like collector's edition. Eric, appreciate it, man. You guys in the herd, we're going to continue the conversation over there. Thank you, men, for listening to or watching the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. If you're looking for any of the links mentioned in today's podcast episode, make sure you check out the show notes. You will find them there. If you will, leave a five-star review on iTunes. That just continues to help get the word out about the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Men, if you are in the herd, we are going to continue our conversation over there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness. Thank you.